Hey everyone, we are continuing our series of what makes marriage work. So this is the third in our series of what makes marriage work. And if you missed the previous episodes in the series, go back to episodes 12 and 13. And we're talking about affirmation or really building a culture of appreciation. So let's get started. Hi, I'm Regina Boyd, licensed marriage and family therapist and licensed mental health counselor, and your host of the Connecting Out Loud podcast. Here we talk about connections with our families as they relate to our mental health and Catholic faith, all while connecting you with those you love the most. Thanks for joining me for this episode. Let's dive in. How many times have you been nagged or perhaps nagged your spouse and asked them to pick up after themselves, put their plate in the dishwasher, use a cutting board, put the seat down, lock the door? You get the idea. And why doesn't this work? I think you already know the answer to this, but we get really fed up when people don't listen, even especially when we think we've made it perfectly clear what we're mad about. I think that just is kind of the icing on the cake. But here's the problem. This isn't how people learn. And unfortunately, there's nothing you can do about it. Um, That's just it, period, point blank. There's nothing you can do about it. So what we're going to do is discuss a much better way of resolving conflict in your marriage. And it's based on one of the antidotes to the four horsemen of divorce as we're continuing the series of what makes marriage work. And so for those of you who didn't listen to episodes 12 and 13, I'll do a quick review just to get you up to speed. But uh, Dr. John Gottman has four horsemen of the apocalypse that he says will be a disaster for any relationship. He can predict with over 90% accuracy whether a relationship will end in divorce. And he says those relationships have these four horsemen within them. And those horsemen are criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. The good news is, is that he also has antidotes for each of those four horsemen. And that's how you combat them and strengthen your relationship and create a buffer against those horsemen. And so today we're talking about the third antidote in our series, which is building a culture of appreciation. And this antidote is in direct relation to contempt. So contempt, just as a review, is attaching a sense of self-worth with an intent to insult or abuse. It's really one of the most corrosive behaviors in a couple's relationship. There's a lot of disrespect between them, disdain, mockery, name-calling, aggressive humor, and sarcasm can all be examples of contempt. You know, uh, when people crack jokes and they say they're just kidding, but we all know they're really not kidding. (laughs) It's because of this unsettled anger that has spawned this disgust. It produces this cold, seething contempt. And so somebody who has a relationship dynamic that has a lot of contempt in it, um, you might hear couples hurling a lot of insults, maybe again, some sarcasm, backhanded uh, cutting remark. So maybe um, a joke about your online or work spouse or something. Oh, was that your work boyfriend calling you, your online boyfriend? Um, Something like that. Yeah, go outside. Oh, you're going to go work in the backyard? Yeah, go outside so you can drink all day. Something like that. And so we have to really 
relearn and redo some of those habits because we say them out of a place of hurt and pain and woundedness. And it's a lot of resentment that builds up over time to have contempt be running rampant in, in our relationship and really getting between the two of you. And um, so why does that matter? I mean, why? I mean, some of you might be thinking, okay, Regina, yeah, I get it. It sounds really bad, but um, I'm just cracking jokes. It's not a big deal. I'm trying to lighten the situation or not really react out and lash out in anger. So what's the big deal? Where here's the problem is it, if you don't curb the contempt, if you don't use that antidote of building a cultural appreciation, which we'll get into it in a second, you're not going to be able to stop the fights. You're just adding more fuel to the fire. And when we can slow down and focus on what we appreciate more, this is going to help your spouse really understand what you want. When we put that cutting remark in there, they're not going to want to listen to us. Those defense mechanisms kick in and they're just ready to, sometimes we have physiological responses in those moments when emotions just come over us. And so it's really challenging to want to step out of ourselves in those moments and sit down and say, oh, okay, dear, after a sarcastic or insulting remark, oh, okay, dear, yes, you're trying to tell me something important, let me sit down. <laughs> Nobody does that. And so it's really important to take that step back and do what we can to use that antidote. So how do you do that? How do you build a culture of appreciation within your relationship? First, it sounds kind of simple, but it's really true. Tell your spouse that he or she is doing a good job. Affirm them instead of punishing them with a crude remark. Um, You probably don't realize you're punishing your spouse, but in a way you are. You're trying to um, find a way to to manipulate or get what you want, even in an unconscious way, or you're just angry and you're just upset. I think content really just comes out of a place of frustration and anger and, and really a place of constant disappointment. And so when contempt finds its way into a relationship, people are often fed up by that point. They feel like they've tried so many things. They've tried to ask nicely. They've tried to sit down and have a serious conversation or they've made multiple requests. And once contempt creeps in, it's a kind of almost to that breaking point where we're done asking and playing nice. Now we just are saying what's on our mind because we're frustrated and we're reacting in the moment and we don't have time. And so in a way, it's kind of a punishment. You're getting back your beloved for, for not pleasing you in those moments and pleasing those requests. It's kind of like negative reinforcement and positive reinforcement. I don't know if you remember from your uh, psychology one-on-one classes back in the day, if any of you took psychology, but Pavlov's dog, there's a famous study where um, Pavlov, a famous psychologist, uh, studied a dog and he was able to train his dog to salivate at the ringing of a bell. And so what he was doing was putting a stimulus with that bell ringing sound so that eventually the dog would associate and know that every time the bell rang, food was going to come and would he salivate. And so that this idea of positive reinforcement and negative reinforcement comes into play sometimes in our relationships when we are unfortunately trapped in contempt. So positive reinforcement is that process that strengthens the likelihood of a particular response by adding that stimulus after the behavior is performed. A negative reinforcement on the other hand does also strengthen the likelihood of the response, 
but it does so by removing an undesirable consequence. So an example would be if you're about to have a bunch of spicy food and you decide to take an antacid before that, that's an example of negative reinforcement because you engaged in an action in order to avoid the negative result. So you're taking away that opportunity for the response, the reflux or the indigestion response from having the spicy food. And so what happens, what people don't realize when they are not building a culture of appreciation and they let the contempt fester, it is actually a positive reinforcement. It is strengthening the likelihood that you and your spouse don't resolve an issue because you're adding that stimulus of you getting that remark in or that cutting remark is reinforcing that behavior from them. And it's kind of odd in that way because we think positive reinforcement means we're saying praise and wonderful, but that's not true. And so we're actually doing what we want to do. So we have to be really intentional about affirming and instead of punishing and letting them know they're doing a good job. So when you see your spouse doing something you've asked them to do, acknowledge them, thank them for it. Speak their love language too while you're at it. If they appreciate physical affection, try to find ways to be more touchy-feely, hold hands, all of those things. If they appreciate words, can you speak those words to them? Write them a love letter, something like that. Recognize the ways that they show love, even if it's not something that you would readily find amazing and romantic and sweep you off your feet. You know, if they help you carry those groceries in, recognize it verbally acknowledge it to them and because in their way they were trying to show that show some care and this is how you build that culture of appreciation in your relationship now you might be thinking what if i sit and wait and wait for that one positive thing to come so i can praise them and they never do it what if my spouse never does anything for me to praise that could be an opportunity to have a conversation sit down use that gentle startup and say you know, I really want to talk to you about something. Is now a good time? Or can we set aside a time in the next 24 hours to speak um, and have a conversation about these things so that they don't get defensive? Say it in a calm way, in a loving way, and remind yourself of your spouse's positive qualities. Find gratitude for those positive qualities and actions, even if you're not seeing the actions you want to see. There is a reason why you married that person in the first place. And even though it might have have been years since you've seen any of those positive qualities, remind yourself that they're there and that you're with that person for a reason and that they are your beloved for a reason. And that can even contribute to making a big difference as far as your response and your contempt and your frustration in that moment. Here's a big thing that we want to avoid. You want to make sure that you do not criticize for something that your beloved gets wrong, especially if they made an attempt. So let's say, for example, they tried to do something right. Like maybe, you know, um, he tried to clean the toilet in the bathroom or something, but you have a particular way that you like those toilets cleaned. So he, he went through that effort. He cleaned the toilets, but it wasn't exactly the way you wanted them to be. It wasn't totally right. You have to really avoid criticizing for that part that he got wrong. You need to 
Um, that is the type of reinforcement that we don't want, like we talked about before, and they will associate that with the thing they did. So if you want more help with those toilets, <laughs> let's not reinforce and give him more fuel to step away and not do it and push him away from that. Because they'll start saying, why bother if I'm just going to keep getting yelled at or criticized? So that's a tricky part. And that's what's so beautiful about building this culture of appreciation is making sure we recognize even when it's not perfect in our mind or how we would do it to say, wow, thank you so much for helping me with those toilets. You know that I take a lot of pride in it and it's just so nice not to have to think about doing it today. Or, you know, thank you so much for putting that cutting board away, even though they might have put it away in the wrong spot or not cleaned it appropriately and just say thank you so much for thinking of that you know I really appreciated that and thank you for thinking of me all of that goes such a long way and it's the perfect antidote to get rid of that contempt so get to work in building that culture of appreciation right now and now we're going to get into the Q&A portion of our podcast today I got a question recently from someone they said is it normal to disagree on frequency of sex So basically this person is really worried about in their relationship, there's um, arguments about how frequently they should be having sex. And is it normal for couples to do that? Or is it a sign that their relationship could be in jeopardy? And what I will say to this is there is no set number. There's no such thing as normal. It's really whatever works best for the two of you and what you feel like is a comfortable amount or a frequency for both of you. And so this means there needs to be a real conversation around this of what that looks like. Um, So if there's a disagreement, clearly there's an opportunity for the two of you to grow closer as a couple and express your feelings around this and your perspectives of why one of you feels like um, there isn't enough frequency or wants more frequency and why the other one of you feels like things are fine or wants less frequency, have an opportunity for both of you to share those perspectives and figure out where to go from there. One way to do this is by using the two ovals exercise, which I think is really fun. And so you would each take a sheet of paper and just draw two concentric ovals. So a big oval kind of like filling the whole paper and then the middle you want a little smaller over and oval in the middle of that and in the small oval you're going to write down the things about your sexual relationship the frequency whatever it is in the middle and the smallest oval you're going to write all of those things that are sort of deal breakers for you that you're not willing to budge on um, that are your inflexible parts of that conversation or that situation and then in the larger outer oval you're going to write parts about your sexual relationship that you are willing to be flexible on then do that separately individually take a few minutes to do that share your answers and start focusing on those flexible areas you might find that there's some wiggle room one way or another for both of you to get to a place where you don't feel like you're arguing about that all the time And for your mental health tip today, we're going to bring it back to your relationship. And it's all about turning towards via emotion and via mindfulness, turning towards those emotions that you're experiencing in that moment in the middle of a conflict by using mindfulness. A lot of times when we get in the middle of an argument, our instincts want us to turn away from those challenging emotions. We want to avoid it. We want to get out of that difficult 
frustrating moment. But if we can take that moment and use Gottman's principle of turning towards our beloveds instead of away, that's a way that you can experience that strong emotion, turn towards it by taking a few deep breaths, softening your mind, paying attention to those sensations that are happening for you, those feelings, those emotions in the moment, stories that you might be telling yourself about in the middle of that conflict. And if you're aware enough in the moment to realize what's happening internally for you, after a few minutes, you might try to express yourself to your beloved in a new way instead of just reacting in the moment. So sometimes in those situations, it's helpful to focus on your own needs, your hopes, your desires, rather than talking about the other person's wrongdoings. And that's why we're bringing it back to that culture of appreciation, talking about your own needs and desires. What's awesome about this, if we get really good at being mindful in these ways, if your partner, your beloved is the one experiencing a strong emotion, you can become mindful of your own instincts to defend, to turn away, um, to invalidate what they have to say. And instead you can, again, take those deep breaths, pray, and encourage a mutual exploration of what's going on between the two of you. And another way to do this, I would say, is through overall gratitude. That's really what building a culture of appreciation is at the end of the day. But you can be mindful about your gratitude. Think about those times where we reflect on how God moved in our life in the day. Where did we see God that day? And you can do the same thing. You can train yourself to recognize that in your relationship. We know from research that showing gratitude, practice in intimate relationships increases the connection and satisfaction in those relationships the day after it's expressed. So for both the giver and the receiver, when gratitude is expressed, it's mutually beneficial. It's never a one-sided experience. So continue to do everything you can to express gratitude, whether it's through a card, through a letter, through a text, reviewing um, maybe through your own personal examine prayer, reviewing all of those ways that you are grateful for your spouse and what they've done for you recently throughout the day or week. And then sharing, sharing about those blessings that you have recognized during a family moment, maybe at dinner or during a family walk or any time where you're together, uh, the two of you can be a great opportunity to do this as well. So that's your mental health tip for your relationship. And get out there, continue to connect out loud in a big way and build that culture of appreciation. Talk to you guys next time. If you have enjoyed this episode, you can find more Connecting Out Loud content on our Facebook and Instagram pages. As always, I appreciate each and every review. So if you can take some time to rate and review this show, I read each one and I love hearing from you. Be intentional and connect out loud. Connect out loud.